In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. What do you long for? For what do you thirst? We know that water is essential for life. It is surprising to me how easy it is to become dehydrated when we push ourselves. A long walk on a hot day is enough to leave us with headaches and muscle cramps. And of course, if you go even a few days without water, things become extremely desperate. Death may not be far away. The ancient Israelites who lived in an arid climate knew the value of water. Their culture's sense of hospitality was marked by the recognition of the need to care for the stranger who was without water. And indeed, water plays a central role in their relationship with God. We hear a bit about that in today's lesson from the book of Exodus, where one of the first challenges that the Israelites face after having been delivered from slavery in Egypt is their need for water in the wilderness. And the thing is, though, is that, that, that something as essential as water can never be just literal, just itself. Water and thirst, they play a, a symbolic and metaphoric role uh, in our imaginations. And, of course, they play that role in Scripture as well. And certainly, the ancient Israelites of Exodus need water to drink, right? Yes. But their thirst is metaphorical as well. They thirst in that passage for water, but even more, they thirst for protection. They thirst for a sense of safety and security. They thirst for life in the face of death. The Israelites face a threat to their continued existence, and as such, they need to learn to rely and trust in God's care and God's providence. They have to learn how to trust in God's abundance, even in a place that seems so foreign and inhospitable. And in this way, the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness is a special time in the relationship between God and God's people where trust is secured and relationships are cemented. And we too are people who know something about thirst. Maybe not so much in a physical way. In our society, it is easy to take water for granted, even though we might wonder about the wisdom of what uh, of, of, of that taking it for granted when we seem to have either too little water or too much these days. But from our place of privilege, I think it is essential for us to remember that a quarter of the people around the world do not have access to safely managed drinking water or they don't have access to improved sanitation. Hundreds of thousands die every year from waterborne illnesses, many of them children. We must never lose sight 
of the truth that access to clean water is a human right and that as a global community, we should never tire of securing that right for all. We all thirst. In our setting with our physical thirst often sated, we tend to thirst for other things, don't we? We thirst for wealth, fame, gratification, acknowledgement, security. We thirst for, for meaning, for wholeness, for health, for companionship, for community. We long to, to know and to be known. Some of what we, we think we thirst for has zero chance of ever quenching our true and authentic thirst. For example, an inordinate desire for money will never bring us satisfaction, no matter how much money we make. You would think that if one had a billion dollars, that any more than that would be absolutely redundant, right? And yet, oddly enough, for the very few, it doesn't seem like enough. We often long for things that, that only make us thirstier and thirstier. We keep going again and again to wells that will not fulfill. We keep doing the same old thing, and yet we don't seem to be getting anywhere. We thirst, and we attempt to, th to sate our thirst, but we end up being no happier, no wiser, and no more complete or whole. We thirst. In today's gospel lesson, we meet a Samaritan woman who has come to a well at midday to draw water. And along the way, she encounters Jesus. Now, it might be easy to make some assumptions about this woman as she converses with Jesus. So, for instance, many have assumed that because she has been married five times that she is promiscuous or that she has been unfaithful. But most likely, this is not so. Much more likely, this woman has known far more tragedy than she has known romance. She has probably lost a husband or two to death. And odds are she's been issued certificates of divorce because of infertility. In her world, she does not have the power to leave her husbands or her marriages. And she would have faced death if she had been adulterous. To assume that she is some sort of extra special sinner, then, is a bit of a leap. And in any case, Jesus doesn't seem concerned about her moral failings, whatever they might be, and does not need, feel the need to offer her forgiveness as well. But just because she isn't looking for forgiveness doesn't mean that she isn't looking for salvation. And for the Samaritan woman, this salvation primarily looks like being seen 
and being known. It looks like being accepted and being loved. Salvation for this Samaritan looks like entering into dialogue with Jesus and discovering who he is and thus discovering herself in the process. Hers is a journey of discovery brought about through in-depth conversation. And after she speaks with Jesus, she runs home to her village and says, come and see the man who told me everything I have ever done. She feels seen, she feels known. This is what salvation looks like for her. But more than being seen and known, for this woman's salvation also looks like inviting and sharing. She doesn't have all the answers, and yet as she encounters Christ, she cannot help but feel compelled to share. Come and see, she says. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? And after the Samaritans hear Jesus for themselves, they discover and proclaim that they have found the Savior of the world. We thirst. We thirst, and yet Jesus says, those who drink of the water that I will give will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. In Christ, we encounter the one who unites us to God and who invites us into eternal life. Jesus quenches our thirst. He is our joy. We need merely to come and drink to quench our thirst. Jesus invites us to do a profoundly simple thing, to drink from this spring of water that he offers through trust and belief and love. What could be simpler? It's simple, yes, and and yet we waste so much of our lives chasing after other things, things that will not bring us true joy and will not quench our thirst. It is one of the great contradictions of our lives that we have to, to compel ourselves to live into what is our true joy, and yet that which is ultimately against our interests seems so easy. Maybe in this way, we can use this season of Lent to help us to learn to renounce some of these things that we crave so that we can free ourselves to drink of Christ. For indeed, through baptism, we have been united to Christ and have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in that way, there is in us, in you, a spring of water gushing up to life, true life, meaningful life, eternal life. No matter how hidden that spring may be, there is in you a spring of selfless love at the core of who you are. 
And as we learn to drink from that spring, drink from that love, then this, lo- then this love, it, it overflows from our lives so that we might help bring water to others. As we learn to drink from the spring that is at the heart of us, then we can help others to drink from their own wells, from their own springs. So, how do you come to drink from this well? How do you come to drink from this well? What does trust and faith and hope look like in your life? What does it mean for you to love? And then how can you come to share the water that you have tasted with others? Who around you needs a drink from the fountain of life? Who can you invite to come and see? Who are the thirsty ones around us that we can bring a drink of water to? Whether that water is actual or symbolic and metaphoric. What do you long for? For what do you thirst? Today and every day, Jesus comes to us and invites us to drink, to drink and share. Today, he says to you, come and see, drink, know me, know Christ and no love, and then go, go and make that love known. Amen.